Ipsy leads the way. Ipsy. One system personnel and pay. Ipsy. 21st century. Hello and welcome to the Ipsy podcast. I'm your host, Frank O'Brien, and our topic today is HR transformation. The integrated personnel and pay system army is changing the way the army does business. In some cases, that means changing policies, revising regulations, and analyzing the way personnel actions are handled in existing legacy systems. The goal is change, changing the way HR, pay, and personnel actions are handled, and changing the way existing systems pass information throughout the Army. Users have been demanding upgrades to HR systems for years. The existing systems result in thousands of hours of annual downtime, and the Army wants to fundamentally change in order to transition to a talent management system. That's what our guests are here to talk about. I'm joined today with four guests from the program, including Colonel Greg Johnson, Functional Management Division Chief. Sir, thank you for being with us today. Thanks, Frank. Uh, really appreciate that that laydown on, on the topic. I mean, it's it's one of those big topics that you know really is Army uh, wide spanning, and it, you know just really important for us to to talk through and then to to go right at um, as we release. Um, Ipsay to to all three components. You know we're done with release two and we're we're headed towards release three and then release four afterwards um, and getting the total force uh, into one platform. You know it's just a massive lift for the whole army, but but a lot of change and and a lot of work needs to 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 go into making all of that happen. Um, you know let's start with the you know obviously we have we have three guests today. We have uh, Major Tony Walbacher. We have uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Clemens, and then uh, we have we have Chief Mosby, you know, my favorite warrant officer on the program, to talk a little bit about HR transformation. So why why don't we go around the horn and and you you guys introduce yourselves real quick and say what you're what you're doing on the team, and then we'll get into the nuts and bolts on what HR transformation is. So so John, let's start with you. Oh, thank thank you, sir. Hey, my name is uh, Lieutenant Colonel John Clemens. Uh, been in the Army for about 30 years. Uh, I was a 10th Mountain G1, and I'm just fresh from Newport, Rhode Island, from the Naval War College, uh, currently working with the HR Trans team. And in the future, I'll be transitioning as the R4 chief. Thank you. Th thanks, John. Um, Tony, why don't you introduce yourself? Yes, sir. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, is introduced Major Tony Walbacher. Um, I am a finance officer by trade. I have uh, been on the program since November of 2018. Uh, when I arrived, uh, was primarily involved in a lot of the uh, automation of the pay transactions. Uh, but since the design phase has completed, I've uh, moved on to, uh, in my opinion, what is a much more exciting HR transformation, which is essentially uh, planning how HR organizations uh, will transform with the fielding of IPSA. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Tony. And and Chief, why don't you introduce yourself, please? Hi, everyone. Um, I am CW3 Tish Mosby. I've been on the program um, about three and a half, almost three years now. Um, I came off of the Release 3 design phase. I was the functional lead um, for Release 3. Um, now I am the HR SME for the HR transformation team. And I have been charged with getting all the process together, processes together, you know, um, creating the business process maps and integrating them uh, with the pay pieces that we are delivering 
and um, looking forward to ensuring that the Army HR professionals understand what's to come for Release 3 and hopefully make that an easy transition as we move forward to go live. Thanks, sir. Yeah, thanks, Chief. And, you know, thanks, John and, and Tony, for introducing yourselves. I mean, you guys are a bit understated. You're, you guys are really important to the program. Um, and, you know, as I think the audience can can tell, right, coming from three different, you know, backgrounds where, you know, Chief Mosby's an HR warrant. And she's been in the business, you know, for a while. Um, you know, John Clemens is a is an AG colonel. He's been a G1 of a division. Um, you, you know, he's had a lot of good jobs in the AG field, but he started, you know, as an infantry officer uh, and as a platoon leader and, and you know, got to be a battalion S1 where, you know, Tony's coming, um, you know, from the finance background and really helping us think through how mill pay works, how audit, how, how, how the finance piece comes together. Um, and, you know, he was also um, a platoon leader. He was an armor guy before he transitioned over to finance. So really good background to these three individuals. And then they're really going after what 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 is what what I think is one of the biggest tasks we have to do as an HR enterprise. And that's essentially modernize. Right. We call it HR transformation. But what that really means is, is that we're doing business process reengineering and standardizing HR and talent management business processes um, in our entire army. Um, so it's just a massive job trying to solidify how do you do HR business in all three components? And then how do you do it in an IPSA environment where you still, and it gets complicated, right? There's all these other systems that IPSA does not take down. So we have to integrate them. The data needs to flow. And then um, folks in the Army at, at, at all echelons and all three components need to know, you know, how that business process works and then who has the authority to make decisions and who's doing the work in the Army. And oh, by the way, what comes with that is LRPs. That's what we call them. There's laws, regulations, and policies that uh, govern this HR and talent management space that all have to be updated and uh, to a certain extent rewritten based on IPSA going live in release three and release four. So that, that's just a big task. You know, John, I, I'd ask you, you know, it, that's a broad definition. I mean, what's Maybe you can talk maybe a little more specifically and then also chief, you know, what's HR transformation to you? Yeah, so hey, thank you, sir. That's a great question. So with my my 30 years of experience, both enlisted and officer, reserve and, and active duty, I, I really came to the team thinking that, you know, I was gonna be one of the smarter guys on the team just because of my years of experience. But this my arrival has been really a humbling experience. It's been a humbling because I realized that one, I was a little bit out of my water because IPSA is a, a change from the legacy processes that I am so familiar with that dates back to the 1960s. You know, so I had time to master those. And this is a new process. And so what I realized really quickly that HR Trans had a really big mission because when the existing processes are no longer the best approach to meeting the Army's objectives, you know, they must be re-engineered to ensure that we're we're not wasting resources and that we have the best results possible. And I, I think with the release of implement number one for the National Guard, 
we realized that, you know, we have to be a little bit more specific uh, in letting the stakeholders know what their requirements are in the future, especially for release three. And so the team has really got us up to speed, got me up to speed to ensure that I understood that, you know, HR Trans is specifically to tell those stakeholders, hey, what are you doing when release three uh, goes live? What, what are you really responsible for at each level? And to do that is just a mapping out of the processes to ensure that the field is educated. We did it like this in the, the previous legacy system, uh, but now we're doing it a new way and, and it's in a streamline. So in essence, it's like a, a redo of the PSDR. And, and based on that, we're gonna, there's gonna be a task list. There's gonna be uh, information that's gonna be provided to the training team to allow them to develop the training necessary uh, for, for the stakeholders. But even more important is a fact that because of the changing environment, we have to make sure that the guidance is aligned uh, through the LRP, the laws, regulations, and policies work groups. And in those processes, we identify what are the changes uh, that IPSA is gonna facilitate and how are those laws, regulations, and policies gonna be adjusted to make sure that there's a, a complete alignment. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack that you just said, uh, John. Um, and I and I took some notes, but let, let, let me pass it over to, to Chief Mosby really quick um, before we, we come back and talk a little bit about PSDR and the lessons learned of release two from the National Guard. Really good points that, that you bring up. Uh, you, you know, Chief, I'll ask you the same question. You know, what what's HR transformation to you? Um, well, sir, to me, um, you know, coming up enlisted and um, I was HR, you know, as an enlisted member and transitioning to warrant officer and just understanding and seeing how, um, you know, the many systems that we use and we do a lot of, you know, track down verification because the systems are kind of or the information is, you know, in multiple different systems. And, you know, HR transformation to me is bringing it all together, you know, we have one system now that we're, that we have, that is live currently with the National Guard. Um, you know, we're going to add the, the reserves and the active duty will be one system for one army. Um, and it's kind of just bringing the HR professionals together and showing them, you know, as Colonel Clement said, their roles, you know, um, understanding the division of labor between HR professionals at different you know, echelon. So we have the units, um, you know, battalions, brigade, we have the MCOM MPDs and just understanding our role is just to help them understand going forward with, um, you know, the new way of doing business where they play and a role in the system and understanding how they're going to be able to help their, you know, their units and their commanders understand, you know, soldier business a little bit better. Um, things will just be a little bit more transparent. And I think we just need to make sure that we guide them in that way um just knowing where they where they are to help soldiers the way that we can't help them today because of the you know current restraints we have with the multiple systems yeah i think that's a you know those are all good you know ways to to kind of categorize and lay it out chief i mean bringing it all together you know obviously we're putting all three components into ipse in release three all three components will be doing their core HR actions, um, strength management, promotions, basic HR actions, some pay actions, right? All that's happening in release three when we go live in December of 21. Um, 
and I just really like the way that you you said it. You know, hey, where where do people play a role in the system? And then, of course, you laid it out nicely. You know, one system, one record for a soldier, one army. Uh, that's a bit of the say tagline there. So, um, you know, going back to John, you know, you you mentioned a couple of things. Um, you know, one is PSDR. We'll, we'll talk that in a minute. And then the other is just a, a a lessons learned from release too. You know, my my take, and I've been on the program since 2016, so landed right at the point where we were we were doing a critical design review um, for the guard and for release two when we when we ended up delivering that. And you know, one of the things I learned from that implementation didn't level set all of the HR actions and and how the whole environment of HR systems and business processes were going to work together. So we added release two, we added IPSA, we took down SIDPERS, which is an old system, HR system that the guard was using. But we didn't necessarily explain how IPSA was going to connect to all the legacy systems that the guard still was running. So RCAS and, and TAPDBG and RCMSG. We, we didn't really explain that architecture and then we didn't explain how the actions were going to flow, you know, to the NGB um, from all the different states. So we solidified a business process in IPSA, but we didn't do all that other work. And, you know, very early on in Pennsylvania, we, we you know, the collective team was like, oh, wow, we, we need to do all this. Um, and so that lesson learned from release two really is why, you know, your team is together you know, John, Tony, and Chief, it's really, you guys are together to really streamline this and lay it out for the whole army. Um, because, you know, it's a different scale. The Guard was 300,000 users, and now we're moving to, you know, over a million users in Release 3. Um, so really, this 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 designated effort that you guys are just attacking on all fronts is born of that lesson learned uh, for our team in Release 2. But, you know, the, let's talk a little bit about PSDR. So, you know, what is that? Personnel service delivery redesign was really um, a shift in how the Army was structuring its HR elements and soldiers um, and civilians in the early 2000 time period when the Army went through, you know, a round of transformation that was tied to, you know, making brigades modular. So we we threw soldiers into brigades, HR soldiers into brigades. We took down personnel services battalions and we, we sort of, you know, cut some tasks between organizations at that point. But that was really early 2001 through three or four. But, it, you know, for me looking in on this, that's the last time we really looked at all these HR actions and then tried to work through who in the army by echelon was doing it. And and so you you guys are really taking a shot at at redoing what that PSDR work was done in the early 2000s. So you know that's a that's a lot of work. Um, you know, Tony, what what, what do you, what do you think? I mean, you you've been doing HR transformation for a little while. It, you know, obviously, you know, we need to do it. Um, you know, have you heard a lot about PSDR as you started to do these working groups? Yes, sir. Uh, you know, in fact, I had to do a little bit of my own research, but it's very interesting that the history of that that whole effort. And you, you're exactly right, sir. I think 
what we're doing in HR transformation is is even taking that step one step further. And um, you know, I think in my opinion, just based on what I know about that effort um, and what I know about what the system will deliver, you know, IPSA will will really help to achieve like the fundamental end state of PSDR, which is empowering the S1s at the lowest levels to provide these services and what better way to do it than through an ERP system. So it's a great opportunity for us to bring that effort further along. Yeah, um, re- really good point. I mean, for me to kind of chewing on this, it's it's like, so in the early 2000s, you know, the Army transformed, we went modular, and then all of this kind of work was done to say, hey, MCOM, you're doing this, divisions, cores, you're doing this. Um, you know, battalions, brigades, you're doing this. And then that's really the last time our our HR enterprise kind of took a look at all those actions and, and responsibilities, you know, holistically. And so that's that's quite a ways, you know, from today. I mean, that's that's almost 20 years where um you know, a lot of changes have happened to the army, the structure has gone up and down. Um, we certainly have changed systems and the data has become more important. Um, you know, it's kind of, we're, we're probably due as an army to do this work anyway, but it becomes much more important as we roll out IPSA um, to, to really relook it. Um, and, and so, yeah, it seems a little bit esoteric maybe to, to, to folks, right? We're talking about standardizing business processes and then identifying who in the army is gonna do the work. Um, but Really, one one of the one of the things that you guys are going to do, right, is is called HR summits. So you're going to do all these working groups with with different people, and then you're going to do HR summits to really explain how all this looks in an IPSA environment. John, maybe you can talk a little bit about HR summits. Yes, sir. Uh, so you you talked about uh, the redesign, uh, and it, it really is a a business process redesign. You know. Initially, there were 150 plus business processes out there, and that's looking across all components. You know, IPSA allows allows that to be streamlined down to 51, and so that that took, and that's that's the result of a really hard look at you know what processes you know weren't really necessary, uh, and and now that we're all in the same system, all the components are in the same systems. What 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 processes? You know, can we share across the board? Uh, so what's not required, what what can we share, what needs to be customized? We really identify some things that, you know, we we changed from the old legacy process that's leading up to at least the release three environment. And so we did that. We understood that not only were the laws and regulations and policies need to change, but, you know, the actual actions of the battalion S1 uh, and the clerks down there all the way up to the division level and, and HRC, uh, we had some changes that had to occur. And so this HR summit that we're, we're planning on having in the first week of May and location, we're still solidifying location, maybe Jackson, maybe Bragg, maybe Fort Knox. Uh, but this process is gonna lay it out for all the stakeholders uh, at different level. It may be a, a virtual process because, because of the COVID-19 restrictions, uh, but we're, we're gonna try to look for opportunities where we give the stakeholders specifically specifically what they need to do at each S line. It's gonna start with that 
that end-to-end business mapping that Chief Mosby and, and the rest of the team are working so hard at that explains specifically, you know, what the tasks are. And from there, we'll develop that task list, which, which will explain to every member of the team, here's the change that you're going to have in the future in a release three environment. Yes, sir. So part of being an HR professional, you know, we don't really get a lot of information on how to fix our own um, issues, right? So we have systems that we use, but we don't know how to like trace issues that happen within the systems, whether, you know, it's interfacing with, you know, information coming over from one to another. Um, You know, part of what we're doing with the summits also is like um, Colonel Clemens mentioned, we're doing the end-to-end process, but that also includes understanding where your information is coming from. So the data part of it, right? So we do have a lot of smart data folks that are HR professionals, but they kind of do their own thing on the side and they don't really, you know, it doesn't really mingle too well with our day-to-day interactions. Um, But I think going forward with say those like tech smart, data smart SMEs that are also HR professionals, will understand, you know, they'll have a say in like error resolution and understanding, okay, information is coming from this system, you know, let's say DEERS, you know, we'll understand what information we should be looking for, you know, when it should be coming over. There's a whole data aspect of it too. It's not necessarily just, you know, processing actions and business processes. Um, We kind of want to make sure that the HR pros understand the whole process of where our information is coming from, you know, when we should receive it and where it should be going once we process it. So I just want to touch on that piece too, sir. You know, as we bring on Ipse, you're going to shut down a bunch of, you know, legacy systems. So you're going to shut down um, EmailPo, you're going to shut down EDAS and Topmas um, and a bunch of other systems. Um, and then you're going to do that work inside of Ipse. But understanding how the data flows is just uber important, right? Because there's still all these other systems we still have to connect to. And again, it gets a little technical, but that's, I think, part of the reason why um, we're going to do the HR summits, right? So we want to be able to explain, hey, this is how the data flows from, say, a system like ARIS. So when you're onboarding a soldier and they go through the, the MEPS to the reception battalion to the training base, this is how the data flows from that system ARIS into IPSA, and how that initial record is then created in IPSA. And then from then on, right, that soldier's record is in IPSA. Um, but on the back end, um, the record is still um, going to connect to other systems like DEERS. Um, so again, it gets a little technical, but you know, you guys are leading that, that work to really lay that out and then to explain you know, who's doing the work. So that person at the reception battalion knows Okay, I'm I'm actually reviewing the record as it comes into Ipse from ARIS. So that's their job. Um, and you're just kind of codifying that. You know, on the flip side, you know, this is this is the this is the question of the week, right? Right, folks, that I've been asking, you know, how many HR actions uh, are tied to a 4187 in the army today, and how many of those actions are going up to HRC? You know, maybe we can be candid that there's no full list out out there that folks can just point to right now. And you are taking a shot at making that list. Um, you know, John, maybe talk a little bit about that. I know I've, I've thrown that at you um, over the last couple of weeks, you know, to track down every single action 
that we know is out there. Um, so then we can tie it to how we're going to do business in IPSA. Yes, sir. That's, that's another great question because, you know, I was, I was concerned about that also when I arrived to the program, you know, as we're, we're laying out the end to end mapping, we realized that, like you said, there is not a consolidated list. Uh, and depending on who you talk to on a specific day, you know, the, the number grows, shrinks, and uh, it's not our responsibility. It's another organization's responsibility. And we had a Chief Mosby was actually running that down uh, with the HRC team to see, you know, if we can we can bring uh, a consolidated list in. Chief, you want to talk about it real quick? Yes, sir. So, you know, we want to make sure that we understand, you know, every transaction that's going to go to HRC. You know, as we're building the IPSA system, we are making it to where we want to make sure actions go to where they need to go and they don't just kind of sit you know, idle. Um, so understanding which transactions are going to HRC and which direct routes they needed to be they need to be routed to is important. We need to make sure that if we're going to automate this process, that we're sending actions to the proper, you know, the proper section to make sure we can get these actions expedited, um, acted on, approved, disapproved quicker, and you know, soldiers can you know, get their records updated faster, you know, retirements, separations, promotions, you know, those are big things that affect, you know, the livelihood of a soldier, you know, pay impacting. We want to make sure that we understand, hey, if we're going to have the system processing these actions um, directly, the, the actual directorate at, H at HRC, the desk that it's going to, we want to make sure that those, those folks at HRC understand we're going to be streamlining this to your office. Um, you know, we're, we're creating a workflow to where uh, we can kind of build like inboxes or group boxes per section. Um, so they they also have to understand their their role and responsibility and receiving these transactions and, and, you know, tasking them out per, you know, their section and making sure that the soldiers are being taken care of. But we just got to make that connection. You know, we can't just rely on the email and, you know, the phone calls. And, you know, sometimes today, some things are still being mailed. Um, we want to kind of link it and we just have to have a better understanding of where things are going, what things go up there and, and you know, who exactly they go to in order for us to make sure our business processes as they start with the member, you know, are actioned accordingly and timely. Yeah, I think it's a big, it's a big job. And, you know, I want to circle back up to a couple of things. I mean, you know, it's the last time the Army took a shot at streamlining these the business processes and who's doing them was, you know, the early 2000s. Well, you know, what was in the middle of 2001 and 2020, you know, just a lot going on in the army. You know, no one, no one was thinking about, you know, it's say in 20 uh, or, or 2001. I mean, really at that point it was dimers and dimers was meant to also come along and support the, the, the delivery of PSDR. So that transition as envisioned in early, you know, 2001 was, you know, dimers would come along as an efficiency system. And, you know, we kind of know what happened. Um, that that project failed. Um, and and IPSA kind of was born out of that failure. Um, but it took, you know, our system a little while to get going. Um, but, you know, at this point, we're, we're moving, right? The National Guard is live. And we're we're headed towards um, going live and release three in in just about a year. Um, but you know the other thing that happened to the AG Corps, and you know we can be candid about this. So 
AG soldiers were reduced in the Army um, as PSDR happened. So the AG Corps lost about 6,000 um, slots. Um, and most of that was due, you know, to this discussion about dimers being efficient and, you know, having soldiers in battalions, et cetera, would reduce the, the amount of work. So some of that hasn't really played out because there's no system. IPSA is now that system. And, you know, our success will, will get this efficiency back um, to, to where we need it for the AG Corps and the Army. However, we have to do this work. We have to lay out these BPs. We have to lay out who's going to do the work in the Army. Uh, we got to impact the LRPs, the laws, regulations, and policies. And then, you know, we got to be very deliberate in how we lay out all of these different actions. You know, there's a 4187 for for ding near everything. You know, now now's the time to straighten that list out, and then as Chief and John, you've explained, you know, really lay out how that workflow for each of those actions um, will will work from you know battalion level all the way up to HRC or the Pentagon um, in certain cases for certain actions. Um, so a lot of work. Um, and I'm just humbled, right? Because you guys are taking a big swing um, at at you know this ball coming at you guys, and you're just doing a really really good job right now. Um, and then the whole army will get to see this work, you know, John in May when you when you when you roll out these HR summits um, as you talked about a little bit early, um, you know. So so for me, it's like it is what it is, right? A lot of work. You know, we don't we don't have these lists and everything straight right now, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna go after it, you know, with some aggressive aggressiveness and, and you guys are really leading the charge there. Um but you know, let me let me ask Chief. Um I don't know I don't know if you have this answer. I mean, how many variations of seven are there? So I would say there's one, sir, because it's general, right? So I mean you literally can ask for anything on a 4187. So I would say that there's one. However, I un, I understand, I would say how many different, um, like how many different approvals are there to a 4187, right? Like multiple people can approve depending on the type of transaction. Um, but it it really is, I don't, think there is a number because there are just different instances that we just there's just things that come out of the woodwork there's an ETP for this ETP for that there's a waiver for this there's a waiver for that um but that's what we need to know we just we just need to know so we can help soldiers you know understand that process also we don't want soldiers to think that they can only submit you know a personal action request for the 187 um for certain things we want them to know no this exists and this is where it would go so um, I think today soldiers are kind of limited in that way, um, in not understanding everything that they are offered um, HR-wise, I guess. So I think by running down the the actual numbers and the actual transactions and where they go will help soldiers understand when their unique needs need to be met, um, that they don't have to just sit on something that they think that they're not entitled to or they think that they can't get processed. Um, we need to let soldiers know everything that there's out there that they can request. And, you know, we're working with the team to make sure that we can provide that for our soldiers going forward. Yeah, I think that was a really good answer. Um, I mean, it's almost like a trick question, right? You know, I mean, you're 
you, you know, the deal. Um, so you, you handled that really well, chief. And, you know, there, there's probably an infinite amount, right. Of requests and actions, et cetera. Um, and then, yeah. And then the management of that, right. I mean, this is something that, you know, our team is, is tackled cause we just know we, we have to set this baseline prior to going live and release three or, or it'll be, it'll be hard to manage, you know? So if you don't, level set these actions and how you want these actions to process inside of it's a, um, you, you know, I, I think you could have a little bit of chaos out in the army with, you know, folks sending 4187s on emails, even though they should be doing it inside of IPSA for approval and routing. Um, so for me, it's just really important that we lay all that out, um, get it, get it straight in everybody's minds and then, you know, as we get going in, in, in early 22, you know, just make sure people are, are kind of tracking to, you know, how that work, how that concept of support is laid out. Roger, sir. And I would also say, I mean, I think this is something good for the HRC team also, because there's probably, you know, things that they're not aware by the sections that they, that they handle. You know, there's a lot of times when we kind of get the runaround, um, you know, it's not a knock on anybody, but sometimes, you know, you think you're calling the right place and they kind of, you know, direct you to the, to another place because they're not sure, but then you get pushed back to them. So I think with them having to identify, you know, the transactions based off of, you know, where they're, where they're, you know, approved or disapproved, that will also help with the HRC team to understand, Hey, this is, you know, this is your task. Like this is your, this is your process to, you know, pop a soldier in this lane, you know, don't, it's, it's just a way for them to understand. Also, they may, as the way that we say, we don't know, you know, all the processes or, you know, where they're processed to, I feel like on the flip side of that, there, there, that might also be the case at HRC. So having them send that, that information kind of lay it down, that kind of helps on both ends. It'll help them understand, you know, what to look forward to, you know, as we go live, sir. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, there's not one, you know, entity in the army that has all these answers right now. Um, and, you know, taking a shot at this, laying it out, um, doing the HR summits, then then you have like a body of, of work. You have these business maps, you have the, how the data flows, um, you have how the actions are going to work. And then along comes it says, you know, training, you know, there'll be a user guide for, for IPSA and um, for folks to, to understand how IPSA transactions work. All those got kind of get linked together. So you do HR summits in May of next year. And then as you get into July, you start to do IPSA training. All of that kind of ties together, preparing for this go live in December 21. So I, I think you guys are, are taking a pretty good swing again at, at this. Um, you know, Tony, I want to talk a little bit about some other new capabilities that we'll see in IPSA. You know, the, the first is, obviously, we're, we're talking about automated workflow. Um, you're going to be able to, to have transactions flow from the individual who can do transactions off their mobile phone, their personal mobile phone. Um, and, and then commanders and others approve those actions as they flow up the chain of command. Um, but we're also rolling out you know, some really cool features in it, say, um, like CRM, 
Uh, and then, and then there's some other functions that that IPSE is meant to go after, and that's one. One is audit. You know, IPSE has to be auditable. It's congressionally mandated. There's some very specific things with data and financial information we have to do. And then there will be some mill pay transactions in release three, and and we'll have to work some errors um, that are tied to those transactions. You know, so Tony, do you want to talk a little bit about? what you're doing with developing a concept of support for those three areas for the Army? Yes, sir, absolutely. Um, and and that, that, that really, the concept of support um, really brings everything together, right, sir? Like you mentioned, Chief Mosby talked through uh, some of the nuances associated with mapping end-to-end -end business processes. Uh, Colonel Clements talked about, you know, uh, our work in the LRP um, effort, you know, ensuring that the publications are consistent with uh, how the process has been re-engineered uh, or, or how IPSA will just uh, through uh, off-the-shelf functionality will be able to streamline a lot of that. Um, but a lot of this work, you know, what we're doing, it really falls under our concept to support working groups. And uh, for the large part of this year, uh, what our team has done is scheduled working groups to shape this concept. Um, and the intent is to outline everything that we just talked about, right? Organizational roles, responsibilities, and tasks in an IPSA environment um, at all the levels, at the field level, you know, at the unit, at the installation level, uh, where we have the IMCOM MPD, we have uh, the use of IMCOM now Army military pay offices, um, and then up at the central site where you have HRC, you have uh, use of IMCOM. Uh, you have DFAS ha having a role at that level. So that's the intent of the concept to support working groups is to lay um, lay all this out, right, in an IPSA environment. Um, and, and most of these processes are, are just as you mentioned earlier. Uh, some of them are, are familiar to the field, right, like how we do in a session today, um, the, the assignments, PCS process, the separations process. Um, and IPSA will certainly streamline a lot of that. Uh, but there are the three areas that you just mentioned that will spend a significant time laying out because these aren't as familiar uh, to the HR community. And that first was uh, what you mentioned earlier, audit and internal controls. Um, the beauty of an ERP system is that it does support auditability and the system will deliver some tools such as queries and reports that help to enforce some uh, mitigation measures, right? So for example, um, the system will be able to tell you if a user with with a certain elevated pr privileges uh, does a direct input without without using workflow, right? In other words, bypassing controls, um, there's a port, there's a report in IPSA that can tell you um, what uh, you know uh, which users have done that uh, at any given uh, time within any given organization. Um, the second area that that you mentioned was that of customer relationship management, right? CRM. Uh, CRM allows a member. Uh, through self-service to submit a case for resolution. Uh, for example, uh, let's just say you're reviewing your record and you know you notice you're missing a uh, you know a unit award. For example, uh, the member through self-service can create a CRM case, attach supporting documents, and route it entirely within the system. Um, and the member can also check on the status of that case by logging into IPSE at any time. To your point, even on their mobile phone. Um, think about what level of transparency uh, that provides in an IPSA environment that doesn't exist today uh, with paper-driven processes, right? So we're really, again, transforming the environment by leveraging ERP functionality. 
Um, and then the third the, the third area is is pay error resolution. Um, now, before I dive into the area, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize um, that the system has been able to uh, if I didn't recognize what the system has a has been able to do in the area of pay transaction accuracy. Uh, today, if say sends pay transactions directly to the pay system, uh, DGMS, with an accuracy rate of over 99%. I mean, that's certainly above the DFAS standard uh, and phenomenal by any means. Uh, but what we have to account for, uh, and, and we alluded it to this, uh, to, to this earlier, is you know, the existence of these legacy systems that will still be in place. And, and you know, you're gonna have to link those systems. And every time you link a system, uh, there may be a, a, a few systems that lead into IPSE, right? So every every time there's a link, there's that that inherent risk that the data, you know, will not uh, come over as cleanly as we want it to be. And, and this is why we have to talk through pay error resolution. That's really what it is. Pay error resolution is just the process of 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 resolving errors that could potentially have been caused by by input through uh, legacy systems, you know, one or two systems upstream, for example, right? So the intent, again, for the concept of support is to really lay out, um, all, lay all this out uh, in terms of organizational roles, responsibilities, and tasks across all the HR business processes, including the three that we just mentioned, um, so that it's absolutely clear at all levels who is doing what in an IPSA environment. Yeah, wow. You you know, how, how do you get all that done in in a day, Tony? I mean, you you must be working pretty pretty dang hard to put all that together. Yes, sir. I, I have a boss that uh, that makes sure that I put in a good amount of hours on this, but we he's also been good about giving me a very talented team uh and and it, it hasn't been done in a day. It's this is this is uh, a collective effort and uh, with the working groups, again, it's a, it's a lot of participation from all of our external stakeholders, um, a lot of constructive dialogue, um, because this, this is this is about how to to transform the environment. How do you use, how do we truly leverage ERP technology to 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 streamline HR business processes? So it's been it's been very exciting efforts, sir. And I've been glad to be working with a very talented team. Yeah, totally. Don't don't say don't tell anyone who your boss is, right? Uh, leave that as a big question mark for for the audience. Um, you know, clearly, folks, you know, realize this is just a lot of work, um, and you guys have just been, you know, grinding it out. Um, but you know, let, let's talk a little bit about you know the scenario in 2016 and 17. And, and chief, I'm kind of headed towards you because you know over the last couple of days we've talked a little bit about what we were doing in 2018 and 19 that, that kind of helped change um, the narrative of IPSA in, in general and in this effort. Um, you, you know, so in 16, uh, let me lead in chief, you know, in 16, you know, my, my perspective was we couldn't, we couldn't buy people to come in and, and, and participate, right? It was very difficult to get folks to come in from different echelons, different organizations to, to, to go through um, this work and and really, you know, this should be no shock. You know, with dimers failing in the early two thousands, uh, I think people just chalked up Ipsay was going to do the same thing um, and just fail and not really happen. So so folks were, I think, hesitant to to join in in this in this effort um, up front. But you know, so slowly but surely, we we got folks to 
to participate. You know, a lot of it was was calling, you know, bosses of organizations. A lot of it was, you know, we were just making progress. And then obviously, as we got release two going, um, then you can point to that. Um, but chief, may, maybe talk a little bit about 2018, you, you know, and the CP50s and, you know, what we did to, to really broaden our, our, our working groups and our, our base. Right, sir. So, um, like you mentioned, um, you know, it was kind of hard to get some folks to buy into Ips A right after the failure dimers. You know, I may or may not have been one of those people. Um, but, you know, I came into the organization, um, you know, hopeful. Um, but we we struggled a lot. We struggled with having an idea of what we wanted to do and understanding that it it, it was going to take more than us on the program to do it. You know, we had to get those those SMEs and the folks that are actually, you know, writing the regulations and the, the, the folks up at HRC, the MCOM MPD folks, we had to get all those guys on board. So um, I don't remember, well, it was probably you, but I'm, whoever introduced the CP50 idea of getting some civilian personnel, our, our HR counterparts, the civilians, um, to come into the program, you know, that was like the best thing that could have happened to um, the, the team. You know, we had Mr. Retired Star Major um, Dan Kessinger. We had Jim Huffelfinger from HRC. We had Lorraine Nobes. We had these people who played a, a like a, a huge role in what they were doing for the Army. Um, and we were able to get them to come into the program for, for some months and kind of participate in what we were doing. And while they were doing that, they were kind of being the change champion in their organizations for Ipsay by just letting them know, like, okay, this thing is probably going to happen. You know, this is the direction that we're going in. These are the changes that we're looking at making, you know, so the word kind of started to spread throughout like, you know, MCOM and HRC, you know, by having these, these folks on the team working with us and you can tell how excited they got, you know, we got kind of close to some of them as they were here, you know, during their time. And, you know, we, we all still keep in contact and they still reach out today when they have questions of, you know, Hey, I don't remember when we were talking about this in the working group. Um, you know, is this still happening? Has this changed? So they're really they're really helpful right now in the organizations. Um, they helped us pull out some huge stakeholders. You know, we that you know we brought them here. You know, we got them into a conference room, and we, you know, we would hold like week long sessions. Um, you know, with some of these SMEs that are pretty senior in you know the HR aspect of things at HRC. And, you know, they were able to just kind of brainstorm with us because we literally just had our own experiences from the field. Right. So we didn't have the experience of sitting at, you know, HRC and seeing these processes that come through or even like the MCOM MPD folks. Right. They, you know, they sit at the installations and they process this stuff. But we only see things from our unit perspective. They gave us a whole different side of things and understanding, you know, why certain things stay at their level, why certain things get escalated to HRC. And just understanding that relationship between their installation, you know, unit and MPD. So that was, I think, the turning point in us making it through our um, preliminary design review and our critical design review, which kind of solidified the design for, you know, what we were building for, you know, HR professionals in Ipsay. Um, I don't think if it wasn't for them or those folks initially, I don't think we would be where we are now because we just wouldn't have had the information. We wouldn't have had, you know the feedback from the folks who 
really should be providing the feedback. Um, so I think that was that was awesome. And I mean, it just it just helped our jobs tremendously um, with the build team. So. I think it was an absolute game changer. I mean, you know, there's been a few, uh, you know, inflection points, in my opinion, on the program. And, you know, obviously getting release two out the door uh, was massive. We validated that IPSA is real, that it works. 300,000 people using the program, uh, you know, using the system, uh, just massive. And and I think, you know, the the ability to get in, you know, a lot of good talent at the beginning of 18 and then, really use these civilians that have very specific skill sets in, in different organizations, right? Having them come on and then helping set what release three was going to look like, how it was going to work, and then tie into that that preliminary design review, that critical design review was just absolute game changer. And then to your point, I mean, they they go back to their organizations and they're like, actually, guys, this is real. Um, you know, release two is going. And this release three things coming soon. Um, I, I just think we've seen some trickle down effects to that um, inclusion of those, you know, six to seven civilians that we brought in under that CP50 program. I mean, it's really one of those unique programs um, that the Army has. To really, I mean, it's really a developmental um, assignment for civilians. Uh, it was developmental for them, but it was, I don't know, critical for us um, to really set how release three was going to work. Um, and then obviously there's some linkages to, you know, what you guys are doing with HR transformation. So now we're out there using the same contacts and using, you know, even more folks to help streamline what, what all these business processes and data flows and workflows will look like. Um, in this release three environment. Um, so pretty, pretty game changing. You know, Tony, you were in the middle of that too. And then I'm gonna circle up with John. Um, you, you know, what was your, what was your um, experience or what is your experience with some of the, the financial folks, you know, FIMCOM and, and others that are, that are plugging into this um, work group and this effort? Yes, sir. They've, um, you know, the, having the, the FM community, um, a part of the process, you know, you have Dr. Hans Kennedy is, is a prime example. Um, they always bring, you know, a different perspective um, because, you know, naturally as, you know, as we're working through, uh, you know, I mean, just you look at PDR and CDR. I mean, those were multiple working groups a day across across several epics, across multiple features, uh, lots of coordination, even just across FMD. Um, it's always good to have this outside perspective uh, because, you know, that's that's the real intent is is, you know, to, simplicity is beauty. And so when 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 you have folks like uh, FIMCOM or DFAS, uh, you know, as part of this process, they always offer this fresh perspective of, you know, I, I see the spirit of what the system's trying to achieve. I see the task that we're trying to solve. Um, let me make a recommendation on how we can we can get at it, you know, and it's it's through this dialogue that we have with these external stakeholders. Um, and it's all about, you know, bringing in the, the right skill sets. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, as the saying goes, you know, the the, it, the combination is greater than the sum of the individual parts. It's the combination of the discussions from different backgrounds and different perspectives and different missions that really helps us to 
to, to refine uh, or, or even just rethink about how we're uh, approaching mapping a, a process, for example. Uh, so it's been absolutely phenomenal, sir, having, having folks from external agencies and organizations uh, come in. Um, and to your point, again, they see, uh, they see something that as an external stakeholder, not many see, you know, they, they see actual design documents. They're, they're talking with, this is an opportunity with them to talk directly with our system integrator. Um, and so it's just, again, it's just an opportunity to share information and develop something that individually we can't do by ourselves. And it's just that, it's that collaboration that makes it so fun to be on this program um, to, to, to eventually see something that's produced that, that you, you couldn't have done by yourself. So uh, it's, it's been absolutely phenomenal, sir. Well, what's exciting is that most of those folks that have linked in with us are really, you know, your hardcore change agents. You, you know, they understand the current right. process, but, um, you know, they're kind of willing to, to, to transition and, and drive and modernize a, as we move forward. It's, it's not always easy. I mean, like, you know, case in point, the talent management stuff that's emerging, we're, we're taking guidance from army senior leaders and really changing how we, how we do, um, you know, strength management and the marketplace and talent management, you know, what's been your perspective as you've gotten onto this team and, and watched how these working groups are going and how people are interacting with us? Yes, sir. So uh, that's a really good question. Uh, my four months on the team, you know, the first thing I was impressed by was the fact that, you know, that IPSA is not just taking a legacy system itself and automating it. It's actually taking a, a, a real hard look at it and re-engineering those things that that are, that are not relevant and, and not efficient. And so it's a dynamic culture change that I've, I've noticed uh, that's drastically transforming HR organizations, relationships, and processes across the Army. For example, the delegations of authority, you know, it's, it's going to reduce the burden of commanders and flattened organizations by empowering subordinates. So, you know, a lot of people are just not used to that. It's kind of like the situation where you you have you have young soldiers, you know, being familiar with their weapon, but the only way you're going to be familiar with it is, is carried around, and people are just not accustomed to that, you know. But I realize that if a se if, if senior leaders are comfortable with platoon sergeants approving leave forms, you know, then you know it's a good change in with Ipsay changing the way things are done and changing the culture. So what I realized with the HR trans team and the work group collaborations, there was a little resistance to specific changes. I'll give you an example. One example was for sure was the, the downgrading of the specialist waiver allocation calculations uh, at the company level versus the battalion level. I got a little pushback on that, you know, and I had to remind uh, stakeholders, hey, you know, the decisions were made by it wasn't made in a vacuum. All the stakeholders, to include MCOM, FEMCOM, HRC, they all had, you know, participates to participants in the three-star executive uh, steering committee, which agreed, uh, which agreed that these changes were for the better for the institution, uh, which IPSE is going to allow. Uh, but so we took an educational standpoint first, and we realized that hey, instead of you know you know, going back and forth with the stakeholders, just, just tell them the why the changes are made. So uh, the HR trans team started out with a work group for the L regu laws, regulations, and policies. And we just said, hey, 
I want you to know why the changes were made. And it started with these, with these BPR, business process re-engineering. Once we did that, we realized that we got a lot more buy-in uh, because uh, the stakeholders understood that, you know, it wasn't, you know, the HR trans team working in a vacuum and coming up with great ideas. You know, senior leaders had, had taken this opportunity to make a better change uh, for the, the way we deliver uh, not only HR, but, but pay. So uh, to sum it up, it, it, it just took an education. And from that education, we, we realized that stakeholders are all in. We're getting tremendous feedback uh, during the work groups. And people are more willing to actually provide information to us now that they understand the why the changes are occurred. It's like we got to go back out to the Army and say, here's how you know, this work is changing, right? Ipsa is not just replacing Emilpo. It's actually changing how we how we do workflow. It's changing how transparent actions are, where soldiers can see the location of those actions um, the entire time. It's, you know, automating leave. It's, it's tying uh, HR actions to pay. And then we're, we're coming in and also um, adding all this talent management, the marketplace, the 25-point profile, uh, 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 you know, we'll get to succession planning and, and tracking of KSBs. All, all of that is all going on. And you guys are really helping to level set the Army. You know, senior leaders are talking the vision. Um, you guys are in the, in the, you know, the rank and file here, really putting it together to to illustrate to the army hey this is the change this is how you guys are going to do the business this is how you guys are going to do you know hr as we move forward and modernize and get to a talent management system um so for me it's really exciting you guys have just jumped in with these plugins from different organizations and really have, have shaped it um but but let's talk a little bit about lrps you know uh in the few minutes that we have remaining you know, so laws, regulations, and policies. You, you know, for me, it's like you guys originally identified like 180 some odd things that that probably need to be updated, changed, altered. You, you know, something needed to be um, updated in them. And you know, one easy example is, hey, as you get release three and release four done, right, all HR orders will be done in IPSA um, for all three components. So then that tells you, hey, you probably got to update the orders reg. And, you know, that's probably an easy one. Um, you know, John, you want to talk a little bit about LRPs and, and kind of where we're headed right now? Yes, sir. Because, you know, over the years, when the executive steering committee approved those series of business processes that were going to be re-engineered, you know, the decisions were based on functionality with, within a system for, for, for each release. So for like release three that's coming up and those BPRs drove the inherent changes that certain guidance within the laws, regulations, and policy environment did, did not currently align. So the HR Trans just been hosting work groups within a, the past few weeks, uh, but we're just bringing it in closer as we identify specific changes that are going to be made because of the result of re-engineering of business processes. Uh, but we're, we're focusing on those things to make sure that the guidance aligns with, with the changes that are actually occurring during that time period. And typically the revision of LRPs is an 18 to 24 month process. And so that's lengthy. That's a very lengthy process 
Um, we looked at different options too. We looked at not only updating the LRPs themselves, we looked at uh, we looked at uh, rapid revision processes. We looked at Alarex. You know, working with collaborating with the G1 publishing team, we realized that you know it's better to just go ahead and update the appropriate LRP itself because the timelines are are consistent with other processes. And so we realized that specifically, you know, the starting of of let's say if we use a rapid revision staffing process, it requires verbiage which is kind of going to be unavailable until all the testing is concluded in October of 21. And so to create a, a, a stopgap measure, we we're look, HR Trans is looking at, has been collaborating with stakeholders to develop a SEC Army, uh, uh, SEC Army memo, which would do a couple of things. The first thing it's going to do is going to bring the necessary attention to leaders and commanders uh, that that IPSA release three is is a reality. It's going to happen. We need we need leaders and commanders to be focused on it. Uh, the second thing it's going to it's going to do it's going to it's going to give the authorities to the functional guide to be to serve as that interim guidance to cover down on the period where where proponents are still updating the LRPs to match the the release three uh, go live environment in December of twenty one. And so, with with those with with those two things occurring, it's going to allow it's going to allow a seamless transition uh, from 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 the release two environment to release three, and then allow proponents to update the necessary guidance. And there's a lot of there's still a lot of this right now. Currently, there's 187 LRPs out there, and it's growing every single day with the feedback from stakeholders. Uh, just just today, uh, I received some feedback. Uh, uh, Discussing the 268 and and the fact that you know based off of our work group they've already started the work process to to make sure that uh, that form is no longer required and and the signatures are uh, authorities are aligned with what the IPSA release three environment is. Um, we're we're happy that that uh, you've transitioned onto the team and you know we got professionals like Tony and Chief and. You know, the whole other support staff team just going after it because um, there's a lot to do still, right? There's a lot to, to finish before May. There's a lot to finish before we go live and release three. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty optimistic that we're, we're going about this the right way. And obviously, it's been a journey from, you know, even before, you know, I showed up on the team in 2016 to, to today and to kind of where we're going. So all, all good stuff for my my perspective. Um, you know, so we're, we're close to the end, um, but I, I, you know, let's, I, I thought I'd change it up just a bit before we hand it back over to Frank to close us out. Really ask you three, you know, what's, what's the one thing you've learned, you know, through this process? Um, you know, Tony, I, I'd like to start with you. You know, John, John's told us a couple of things. Um, you and Chief have told us a couple of things, but you know what? What's that one thing you've learned in this process so far? Yeah, I think uh, you you said it earlier, sir. Uh, ch change is difficult, um, not only from uh, from a paradigm perspective, uh, but but from a procedural perspective. You know, and that that's really a lot of it is once we you know, and, and the Stratcom team does a great job of 
of uh, showing the change curve. Um, and, and, and the intent is to head right, you know, uh, approach that. And that's really what the, the program's about is just managing change. And, and we, we get to do that. There's some work associated with it. But once, you know, crest that, that little hill of, of change management, um, that's when, and you start changing paradigms, that's where I think the, uh, the, exciting, the, the exciting part of, of what we do uh, really, you know, it shows itself. Um, so again, managing change, that's the one thing uh, that, that I, I will walk away with here. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. You know, success breeds success, right? And, you know, you, you feel a little bit and you get a little bit of success in it, and it starts to come in, in larger droves, um, which I think is pretty neat to watch. Um, and you've been in the middle of that, so that's pretty cool. Um, you know, Chief, Chief Bosby, what, what's that one thing for you over these last, you know, what, what seems like, you know, an eternity, the last three years or so? Um, Roger, sir. So for me, I would say um, the relationships that that we make as, you know, members of the program are like in, very important. Um, they're very vital in going forward. You know, we have a lot of uh, retirees that come and go, you know, from the program. You know, we have we've had so many soldiers, um, NCOs, officers, warrant officers that's retired, you know, and then they come back and they still you know, want to help the team, you know, and they, you know, they've built relationships out there with some of the stakeholders and that's what's making the program continue to, to thrive. I think, you know, uh, the Dave Bettencourts and, you know, the, the Dave Smoots and, you know, those guys that have been a part of the HR AG core, I should say for many, many years, you know, bringing them in and letting them know that they also have a part in this building those relationships, it just goes far. Um, you know, as, as we have soldiers come and go, you know, they take that with them and they pass it on to the younger generation, you know, and, and you always have them in your back pocket if you need them. You know, I mentioned a few people earlier, Dan Kessinger, he's, he was amazing. Like that relationship, I've never met the man before. I've heard of him. I've never met him. Um, that relationship that he built has helped us tremendously, even as he transitioned from Europe, you know, he was the MPD, the MCOM chief in Europe. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. The, the 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 points of contact that we have in in the in Europe are like tremendous now because of him. And we get people they contact us all the time. You know, I talked to Dan. He said you were the person to talk to. We're having this issue. We would make sure you know with the system. So those relationships really helped us get to where we are and helped us to kind of shape um, a lot of the things that we're doing and help us capture you know, some of the issues that folks were having HR wise and getting us, allowing us to input, you know, some adjustments and some streamlining to help them along with their processes. So I would say the relationships that, that you know, we've created here on this program are, you know, amazing. And I think going forward as we go to future releases, um, that's what's going to help us out also in the future, sir. Yeah. Great, great, uh, great point. Relationships matter. Um, you know, very succinctly put, very good, Chief. Um, John, what's your thoughts out of your first four months? I know, I know you you, you kind of led into this by saying, hey, you you felt you were one of the smarter guys, right? It, you know, th this is all good. You know, this is PhD level HR stuff. I think it's, you know, that's that's like a telling point. Here you got all this experience and you come in and you're like, wow, I'm learning a tremendous amount. Um, for me, that seems like a really important point, but um, you know, what's, what, what else maybe your, your one, one thing here? 
Sir, it spins off the comment that you just made. So I realized arriving to the team that that the officers, one officers, the NCOs, and the civilians are are doing a lot. They're subject matter experts, and the most important thing is they are really thinking outside of the box on how to make ensure IPSA success, and that is providing, you know, the end users exactly what they need to make the program successful in the future and everybody is getting a, an improved process you know i've been i've been amazed every single day uh just collaborating with different members of the team and i know with that level of success and the collaboration that's going on if say release three and four is is, is going to be a fantastic thing for the field yeah no doubt no doubt um you, you know i obviously i i strongly agree with you being in the middle of this and seeing you know all the work and and really just the tremendous professionals kind of rowing hard to get it all done i think one of the biggest things i've learned you know it's hard for me to say one thing there there's all kinds of things i've learned over the last several years being tied to this program and watching the army senior leaders um you know push forward a, a vision of people first for the army you know, something that I don't think we've ever seen before in the Army, um, a chief of staff focused so specifically on, on on modernizing, you know, most of our people strategy elements, um, you know, how we man the Army, how we do talent, how we take care of our folks, you, you know, just across the board, focusing on people. You know, for me, you know, when I originally came in, I I thought, okay, it's a system. I'll come in and I'll see how we're we're going to build the system and then we'll just make sure we build the system the right way and make sure usability is good. And, you know, I almost had a, a fairly simplistic view as I came in in 2016. And then my eyes are just, you know, pushed open very wide. And it's like, oh, we need to do a lot. We need to really take a holistic look at the HR enterprise and and modernize all of it, right? From, from the data aspect, from the IT systems aspect from uh, HRC um, to incorporating talent management, you know, updating the regulations, all of these things, you know, go together. And, and really the vehicle to, to drive this is, is, you know, this decision by the senior leaders to force the Army to use, you know, IPSA, put everybody in the same system, you know, standardized business you know, do more talent management. Um, but for me, the the real like eye opener was, hey, all that other stuff has to happen. You know, you can't just put IPSA out there and say go. You know, you you got to do everything that you guys have talked about over the last hour. You got to update these regs. You got to update the maps. You got to tell people how actions work. You got to build a concept of support for audit, CRM, and mill pay. So the HR environment and and folks understand, you, you got to do all of that, um, and so it's it's a big weight on this team to to really drive forward with all of that and then get it done, and then you know the kicker for me is that you guys are doing tremendous work, but very little people in the army, very few people in the army understand you're doing it, and that's probably good and bad. You know, it's good because you guys can just get the work done. Um, you know, and, and it's bad because people don't realize how much you guys are carrying, you, you know, there's, you're just carrying a, a tremendous amount, you know, for, for the army, in, in my opinion. And, 
you know, I'm just humbled to, to be part of it. So I, I think we're going to end there. Um, you know, Frank, is there anything else you want to close with now that we're, we're at, at, at the end of our session? Uh, no, sir. I think we've covered quite a bit today. Um, I like that there were special shout outs to the soldiers and HR professionals in Europe who've been helping the program. This has been an amazing episode with lots of good facts and a great insider look at the change that is coming and direct from the folks that are making it happen. More podcasts will be coming monthly, so stay tuned. Thank you to our guests for joining us today, and thank you to our listeners. This has been the latest episode of the Ipsa podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our new Coffee Talk series. It's bite-sized content for an army on the go. Thank you very much. Red right job, right on time. 24-7, 365.